R E A R E A R E A R E A Audio Reemployability. What's changed in your life over the past two years? How's your ability to handle people and situations been affected? In October of 2020, Reemployability's owner and CEO, Deborah Livingston, sat down with retired Lieutenant Colonel Scott Mann, former U.S. Army Green Beret and founder of Rooftop Leadership on a webinar to sort out ways to keep our human connection strong in a time of depleted trust and crisis. Much of what they discussed is just as relevant and possibly even more relevant now than it was then. And although they refer to business leadership, the strategies and realities that Scott reveals apply to your work, family, and personal life as well. Part two kicks off with Scott explaining how we can approach forging human relationships today and in the days ahead. We'll see you on the other side. So what's the best way to do that? I mean, how do we paint that picture? Look, I think it goes back to, you know, the whole relatability thing. First of all, I think the, the leaders who are connected to their own narrative, their own struggle, you know, um, don't be afraid to, to reveal uh, kind of where you are on things, the struggle that you, you go through. We're actually creatures of struggle. So we kind of connect to that. If you try to be this impervious like boss that like does no wrong and you know is, is all about top-down leadership I, I personally believe in a crisis that that falls way short of where you want to get and if your people do perform it's going to be marginal um i i believe being connected to the struggle itself talking about the struggle openly like you do deb i mean you talk to your people in an all hands very candidly very honestly you talk about what you're up against what's on your mind and where but then you pivot to here's where we're going Right. Here's what's going to here's what we're painting on the canvas. Um, So you don't want to stay there and wallow in it. But I do think that being able to talk about that and also articulate what's in their struggle. You know, the folks sitting out in the room at your all hands, what's on their mind or on your donor's mind? Because we're all going through that. And what that does is it creates empathetic listening and reciprocity. Biologically, when someone gets us and they demonstrate that through discourse or dialogue, we automatically choose that person without even realizing it. Right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting that you talk about vulnerability being relatability because we hear as business leaders, vulnerability all the time. It's a a big word, right? Yeah, we like that word, don't we? We like that word, Um, but I like relatability so much better. I do too. In fact, like if you said vulnerability in the the arena of the world that I work in, you would get thrown out of the team room. Like that's not, (laughs) vulnerability gets your throat cut. Now, it's because though, I just want to be clear about that. It's because we have created these societal frameworks and uh, structures that prohibit us from actually looking at the reality of who we are as humans, right? So In other words, there is, you know, even Coyle talks about this in Culture Code, leaders who can signal vulnerability first are actually the leaders we run through walls through. And it seems, it seems counterintuitive, but it's actually true. Like when I look back at like um, some of the best leaders I had with General Miller, who commanded Delta Force uh, during the, during the Somalia uh, raid, Black Hawk Down, he commanded those troops, he commanded when they took out, um, Baghdadi, like this guy is a warrior's warrior. 
But when he's talking to you and we're about to go on a hit or a target, like this guy is really telling you where he's at. He's like, look, I don't know how this is going to go right now. And this is, this is what I'm thinking about. And I don't know. And, and here, and, and I need your thoughts on this. Like, but we would look, we would run through walls for that guy. And, and, and I just think that signaling vulnerability or in your words, relatability, just demonstrating relatability to somebody, particularly in the realm of struggle is always going to play well for you in a crisis. You talk a lot about distractions, disengagement, right? Um, t- talk to people a little bit about, about um, being distracted and what you refer to as the churn and not yeah. getting sucked into that churn. I think that's really an important message and it's, it's definitely resonated with me and it's really helped me to like literally turn off the news and just, just the best thing for me is to not pay attention to what's going on out there and just do what I know is the right thing to do. So talk a little yeah, bit. Yeah. So again, I, I, most of this stuff that I draw from, I, I learned it in combat. And, and so like, if we're creating a movement, we're trying to move Afghan tribes in a certain direction to fight back. I can't get distracted. My teams can't get distracted or, or we're done, you know? So, and we have to stay focused on, we have to keep our eye on the prize and the enemy, I think, to all of you watching this right now, your enemy is this thing we call the churn. And, and I think the more we can name our enemy and give a language to the enemy that we're facing, uh, the more we can deal with it. The more we can, when we can name our enemy, we can name our solutions, right? And so one of the, um, so I want to just kind of draw it for you. So I believe your enemy that stands between you and what you want to get done coming out of this crisis is the churn. And the components of the churn, there's three basic components. Uh, The first is an acronym called VUCA, V-U-C-C-A. And it was actually designed by the Department of of Defense uh, right after the Cold War ended when the Soviet Union fell. Um, We needed a way to describe to our strategists a framework and our, our, our military planners of this new world that was going to have multiple constituents it was going to be really different than the cold war we had known between you know the 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 soviet union and the united states right this polarity that was there so we use this acronym vuca but i think it's very relevant today if you think about the last six months the first one is volatility the next is uncertainty next is complexity ill-structured problems Next is crowded market. And finally is ambiguity. This is normal now. This is our normal. And I think the sooner that we, this is your arena. And I think the sooner that we can start to think about it this way, how am I going to deal with volatility over the next six months? How am I going to deal with uncertainty? What does uncertainty look like in my arena? Complexity. How has my sales process changed? How has my engagement with donors changed? Now that I'm not brick and mortar, what does this mean? Like, you know, and so we can start to really look at a framework here. That's one component. The other one is the human terrain. And I call this the triple D, right? This is the humans that you have to deal with, your associates, your donors, your clients. Uh, as For the most part, uh, they are disengaged or, excuse me, distracted disengaged and distrustful. Now, again, this is just a baseline, but I've got the data to back this up. The average attention span for a human these days, according to Microsoft is eight seconds. 
Wow. That's one second less than a goldfish. <laughs> right? Pretty so cool. if you, yeah. And so you have to think about that in terms of your offers. If you have to do things online remotely and the going in attention span of someone is eight seconds, how much time do you have to really thank them for being there and I, our sponsors? Like you don't. Like you have to own that room fast. So, you know, this distraction thing's a real thing. Disengagement, over 85% of Americans say they are disengaged according to Gallup. That means they say they lack purpose in their, in their work. That was before the pandemic. Right. So, you know, we've got, a, we've got a disengagement issue. And then finally is distrustful. Two thirds of Americans say they don't trust their neighbor these days. And our trust in institutions like Congress and the media have dropped down to single digits. So we've got a trust problem. And then finally is what I call resistance. And this is the internal problem. This is what Stephen Pressfield calls in his book, The War of Art. It's it's self-sabotage. It's all the stuff that you're now thinking after coming out of six months of getting scuffed up. And you're thinking, man, I don't know if I can do this again. Or man, I don't know if they want to hear from me at the all hands today. Maybe I'll head talk trash. About <laughs> all that head trash. And all of those things conspire to form the churn. And so how we lead ourselves and how we connect with others and the purpose that we put for ourselves on the other side of this thing or how we get through that. Yeah. So and, and I think that it's so important to just be aware of all of that. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Because I think yeah. the more the more you're armed with. Um, the better equipped you are to be able to, to, to deal with it, right? We, we found a long time ago that when we can think about the arena, when we can think about the human terrain, and we can think about ourselves. There was another guy that maybe said that. Know your enemy, know yourself, and you will never lose in a thousand battles. Like Sun Tzu, like 20,000 years ago, said the same <laughs> thing. And it's true, you know, but we don't do it. We allow the environment to happen to us instead of for us. So let's get in front of it. Let's give it a language and let's frame it. Yeah. So I'm thinking and getting back to like my first question, I think sometimes people just feel like it's just so big. Right. And um, and I think that one of the things I've really learned from for, from you is it's one connection at a time. That, that one connection it. at a time. Absolutely. And like right. Yeah. Sorry. What I was going to say is right now is the time, you know, re- look, relationships are currency. You know, uh, this is what we know. Humans are social creatures. We have been through crises for hundreds of thousands of years. And the way we get through crises is one thing, and it's relationships. It's human connection. And the organizations, I believe, who build and maintain the strongest relationships through this crisis are the ones that are going to thrive on the other side of it. So how how do we do that in this world now of Zoom? And, um, you know, we went from, from... being so interactive and connected um, with each other personally, you know, and now we're physically distant from each other. So how do we maintain that connection in this environment of physical distance? Yeah. So I would say, and and again, this is something that I give to, uh, to business leaders in all industries as just kind of a checklist, right? So, cause there's no, you know, frameworks are, are like anything else. They're useful if you, if, if you try them out at certain times, but they're not all encompassing. But I will say that if we understand, understand human nature, like that's what we need to do right now is we need to get really clear 
on who we are as humans and how we take action in a crisis. If we don't know ourselves and we don't know how our associates take action and what spins them up and things like emotional temperature, then we're just going to respond sympathetically like everybody else does. There's, it, it's predictable. Like if we just rely on instinct, well, you know how that's going to end. So I would say get really clear on human nature and how it works in a crisis. And at, if you remember nothing else today is I would just remember that humans are a mess, right? And here's my acronym for it, right? It's, uh, it's mess with three S's because I'm from Arkansas. Um, but the first M is meaning. The, the E is emotion. The S is social. The other S is um, story, animal. And the third S is struggle. Yes. I mean, at, at, at the end of the day, if you're not addressing the why in what you're doing and asking the why of what they're doing and getting clear on the why of your donor and your client, you're leaving value on the table. We are meaning-seeking creatures. Simon Sinek says it best. People don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. And we've been, we are the only creatures on the planet who actually take action off purpose. But I see all these leaders today, when they get in a crisis and they get busy, they leave the purpose out. Yeah. They don't say, but in, in, in a military mission statement, whether it's an F-16 raid into Syria or a truck convoy to Camp Lejeune, we have two components to a mission, task and purpose. I want you to do this so that this, right? And so we've got to include purpose. So you're saying, so then you're really saying that if we make the purpose clear to people, right, then it's, it to a degree takes some of that uncertainty and fear away. Is that clarity of purpose creates psychological safety, safety. Yeah. and connection. Mm -hmm. That's the beauty of it. If you, right. if you tell someone why you're doing something, then they automatically connect to that much more so than if you just tell them to do it because I said so, damn it. It's <laughs> It sounds so simple. <laughs> it does, but but we because we get stressed too, and we're operating up here, we omit it. Right. I don't have time for why. What do we do when our little kid, our little child, our six-year-old? Why, Daddy? Well, because it's this. But why? But why? Because it, look, it's just because. <laughs> yes. Like we 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 get to that point as leaders, and we leave why out. We leave purpose out, and then and then and then things come off the rails. The next is emotion. You asked about the Zoom calls. And, and, and you know what? I am spending on my Zoom calls with clients and uh, donors, I am spending two thirds of the engagement checking in with them, asking open-ended questions about where they are on things. Right. It's more and, about it, that it, connection than, than the business. Yeah. Because that's the asset. Yeah. The asset is not the transaction. If, you know, if I lose the relationship, that all the transactions are gone. So if I, and we navigate the world emotionally. So if you don't make an emotional connection first, then they're not coming anyway, because we, we, the limbic brain actually operates off emotion. The mammal brain, when it chooses another human from a grouping perspective, it doesn't do that on logic. It doesn't go, well, the numbers work. So I think I'll go with them. That's just not, we may think we may work the numbers, but first we make a choice emotionally. So when you're checking in with your people, the other thing too, is I think we got to get left or right of the zoom screen and we got to really, we've been at this a long time now. People are hurting. Yeah. And so we got to make sure 
that we're just doing just, and I know this sounds kumbaya, but it's not. We got to do emotional check-ins with our people just for the sake of that. Just for the sake of that. And give it, you know, create an arena where they can let us know what's going on, you know, but that emotional temperature thing is super serious. Uh, Social, again, we're wired for connection. So just look at your relationships. What's your relationship inventory look like right now with your relevant stakeholders? Where is it? Where are the tensions right now as a result of this crisis? Where are your, where's the tension in your relationship diagram? Where do you know need to go do some work right now before we go into another bow wave? Because we build trust and we manage relationships when risk is low, not high. Right. Right. If you go up to somebody in a crisis and you're like, Hey buddy, what's going on? You're like, you can smell that a mile away, man. You can smell it. And so, you know, and then, and then story animals, when you communicate to your people, do it through story, do it through narrative, ask to hear stories. Instead of asking yes or no questions, ask open-ended questions that let your donor tell you a story. Right. Dissipates emotional temperature, gets them in a parasympathetic state, and you'll remember all the details. Right. And, and then finally, uh, struggle. It goes back to what we talked about, is don't omit struggle from the journey here. It's necessary. And we got to talk about it because we can't talk about what's on the other side of the struggle if we don't talk about the struggle. Thanks for listening this week to REA Audio. If you have any comments or suggestions for an upcoming episode, please let us know. You can email Todd at reemployability.com. Also, please follow REA Audio on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also check out more content at listentorea.com. Next week, we're fortunate to have as a guest, Yashika Williams, workers' compensation attorney and partner at Ericlides Gilman. We'll talk about legal issues you should keep your eye on in 2022 and some strategies to be prepared. Have an awesome and impactful rest of your day.